The Football Manager Files, a Muddy Knees media production for Sports Interactive. Part 3, Recruitment. I looked at a video of a boy, he was €100,000, and really it was his speed and his athleticism that caught my attention. And because Genk were in a transitional period, they had no money to spend on any senior players unless somebody was sold. So that was the club's financial position at the time. I worked under those parameters, I worked closely with them, so you might say they never had a lot of ambition that season, but I managed to get everything out of those players. And that young player, the chief scout, showed me a video and I said, well, I'm sure the club could pay €100,000, even though they, they profess not to have any money for this kid took it to the board meeting and I said, look, I've seen a wee video of him. He was here last season on trial. It looks like he could be a good player. Potential's there. The sporting director waved his hand and says, yeah, 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 you, I think I think we can stretch to that. That player was Wilfred Ndidi and he signed for Leicester for 15 million. I wish I was an agent. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh. And in this part of the Football Manager Files, we're going to be looking at recruitment. A good football manager can have an immediate effect when he arrives at a new club. With skillful man management, he can coax new levels of performance from the players he's inherited. But he can only take them so far. In most cases, for a football manager to achieve all that he wants to achieve, he'll have to bring in new blood. And the transfer market can make him or it can break him. Between 1999 and 2007, Sam Allardyce transformed Bolton Wanderers into a consistent top-half Premier League team. How did he do it? The fact that we would, um, in the early stages, take some gambles. Managers uh, get very apprehensive about gambling on players because it's make or break for you. Because if your player in is not as good as the player out, and it's very quickly going to re- reflect on you as a manager by the fact that you're weakening the side by the player that you've bought in from the player that you've allowed to go. Uh, so that, that then was the first and one of the big sides of, of such a successful period. When we recruited the player, we made him feel good. That's what Big Sam thinks. What about Slavon Bilic? You have to do a lot of homework before you get someone. And... What I want to say, that's number one, is like transfer window, your recruitment is the most important thing for you. You have those two windows, and of course you are working before and everything, you have a scouting system, you have your knowledge, you have your feelings. Of course you want, I don't know, the players to be physically good enough to cope with the Premier League, of course, skills and all that, but then you want them to be strong characters, and then you want them to be good professionals, and everything, unfortunately, those players are like reserved for big guns. And those players, like, there are not a lot of them. So we are in a position that we have to, like the most of the clubs, of course, we have to do homework with scouting system, with everything you can make. You can reduce that question mark to be a very, very, very little one. But we can't wait for those players who will be without question mark because then they are gone. We have to risk. 
The Premier League, of course, is awash with cash like never before. It's one thing to be a Chelsea or a Manchester United, regularly breaking transfer records and able to attract and recruit the best players in the world. But what about when you're in charge of a club that just can't go out and buy a ready-made Galactico? Well, at QPR it was a little bit different because we wanted certain individuals in the dressing room. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. We had to try to change the character of the of the squad. We needed team players. So our background research was, was massive. We wanted to know everything. We wanted to know about the family. We wanted to know how many brothers and sisters they had. If they were bad boys, we wanted to know what they liked to eat, medical status. We wanted to know everything. We wanted to know everything because we are working in a bracket that the room of error was, was minimum. We didn't have a lot of money to spend. So the people that we brought in, it had to be right, even though there's always risk, but you minimize the risk as much as possible. Obviously, A, it has to be a good footballer, first of all. He had to be scouted first for that position. And when he was found good enough for that position, then we would do the background test on, on all the other things. Slaven Pillage. Our risk can be a young player who made it last season, still not good enough for the big ones to get him. There's a good chance that he's going to make it. He's talented, he's everything. He's done it one. It can be one season wonder, but okay. We can't afford to wait another year because he, he will be off then. Or someone a bit older who has done it three years ago or two years ago, his last couple of seasons or whatever, either he was injured or he didn't play that, that good, he had a little dip, or, or he's already 32. And so we, we have to choose between those two. The risk is, can be bigger or smaller, but you got the risk, especially with England as a country that, that ideally every manager would love to buy a player who has done it in the Premier League. And then? How we do it is I say to my analysis coach to make me, let's say, 10 games of that winger, let's say. So he made about 10 different games, which is almost like a good part of the season, you know. And then uh, you sit and then we talk about the player. And then if we are all up for it or whatever, then we can proceed. But then it can change. First, that player has to be available. And then there's a price. And then, even if he's available, he has to choose with him. Maybe he's got, I don't know. If he's good, he's got. You know, so a lot, a lot, a lot of those things has to click. Bilic is far from the only manager to use analytics or scouting software to narrow down his shortlists. Even outside of the Premier League, its use is widespread. Gary Monk. We work in a way where we clip a certain amount of games, particular games that then will be actions. So we, then we'll get the games, so we'll clip the actions that we need. So it'd be defensive actions that we think are the most important, offensive actions that we think are the most important. And then when we watch a certain amount of games that we have, and particular games that we have, we'll have them watch them. There'd be 20, 30, 40 actions of each action. It'll give you a good gauge on on what we feel is really important defensively and offensively it give us a good gauge on where we think they're at right now having just watched them on a, on a TV screen and then 
it'd be either yes he's well it's clear that he's capable of doing what we need the other one would be is yeah with work he'd be able to do it and then the other ones are no so it's getting that elimination done and then from that point then is then going into a deeper analyse where you probably go and watch games or you'll then start to find out information about him and, and speak to other maybe coaches that had him before and, and stuff like that and get a bit more detail. Here's Stuart Pearce. Stats are fantastic, I think, if you use them in the right manner. They're not the be-all and end-all. You've got to go with a gut feeling. You've got to do the legwork. But what you've got to do is, is make sure you trust a team of scouts that go out there and also as well couple that with the analysis side of things and make sure that if you like that some managers don't like the numbers game I do I, I think it's fantastic but how do you make sure that the players you're going to bring in are better than the ones you've got here's Mick McCarthy it's not just about the ability it's about whether it fits into how I play and what I expect from people I've got it right and I've got it wrong throughout my time who's and you know, at the moment we're doing it and doing it on a shoestring and, and you know, player I would cite, Tyrone Mings, I watched him for five minutes walking onto the game and instantly I knew he would do for me. Just his tenacity, his aggression. Just walking across, I saw him do about three things and I thought, he'll sign him, and we did. And it turned out to be a great signing. And of course, I've, I've got it wrong otherwise. I've, I've looked at players and thought it'd be great for us and he hasn't. But the analysis part of it and putting stats into these... Uh, uh, machines, these computers, you can analyse players. You can look for anything and to fit your needs. Somebody you want somebody to put 20 crosses a game in, you're probably find one. If you want a midfield player to get something down the pitch, you'll find one. Then it comes down to money, of course. And then it comes down to, does it fit up here with him? Does he want to come and play for me? Does he want to play in the way I play? Will he do all the things I expect of him and demand of him? And of course, if he doesn't, it doesn't matter how skillful or good a player is, you might as well not have him here. Gary Monk. I just look for, for good people, you know? People that you know, you can tell genuinely that you know, they don't have to be the perfect person in the world, but if they're good people and they've got a good attitude and they're ready to work within a group, because this is a group you're working with, you're not working individually. It's really looking for those traits. So I'll speak to coaches or managers, um, even sometimes players that have played with that person and, and try and get a real insight into what his personality is like how is he in this type of situation when he's playing when he's not playing off the pitch on the pitch and if you don't know that person you're, football's such a small world even though it's the biggest sport in the world and it's, a, it's such a small community where you can always get to to people that know those types of things but even then it's not a guarantee but it's just limiting or the risk that you have to take So is it fair to say that sometimes it's better to put the premium on personality rather than ability. Of course, ability counts and the better players, of course, you want them in your team. But at the end of the day, I'll probably take someone with less ability, but with a better attitude, you know, and I've seen it and I've witnessed it and, and I've been part of it in certain situations. But it's why am I the one that's going to waste all my energy and, and emotion? I'm the one that's sat at night thinking about this guy. Is he thinking about me? No. So why do I need that in my life? Why did the group need that in their life? But it isn't always easy to convince a player to join your club. It's not all about the pay packet. Sometimes there are other factors in play. Sometimes there are other ways to convince them to sign. We convince them by going in the main, flying out to their part of the world in their environment and telling them all about what we were trying to achieve and what we were trying to do. Sam Allardyce. The big plus was, you're going to come and play in the Premier League. 
you're going to come and play in the best league in the world. And no doubt about it, the most enjoyable league. I remember signing Nicholas and Elk from Fernabachi and he said, do you know, he said, there's no league like the Premier League. And if you think that Nicholas has left to play for Real Madrid and Turkey and France, and but he couldn't wait to get back to the Premier League because he'd experienced all the top level of the other leagues and, and for him, the best one was the Premier League. So that's a big pull for the players. And those players came and really did an outstanding job with the, the quality and the experience that they had at the time. The process of recruitment can be lengthy and difficult. It can take months, even years, to go from a first sighting to a completed signing. And at the end of the process, the player has still got to be able to look the manager in the eyes and convince them that they're worth the money. The, the initial part is watching the players and identifying them that I think will fit into what I'm going to ask them. Mick McCarthy. And Dave Bowman, my director of football, you know, he'll say to players, he'll say to people, yeah, They'll say to him, he's a Mick McCarthy player. All right, so whatever that is, uh, we can all decide on what people think about that. Other ones say, no, no. And, and I know what they mean by that. And of course, other people in the game know what they, what they mean by that. And if he's not one for us, then we will, we'll start watching him. It's a big part of it, though. You know, when, when you get them in the building, and I tell them, everybody I sign, if you're not going to work hard, if you're not going to run around, if you're not going to roll your sleeves up, then you might as well, let's, let's just stop now and leave the building. But if you're prepared to graft and be a part of a team, then welcome, come and join us. After all the analysis, after all the video footage, is there still a place for the humble scout? Is it still best to actually go out and, as they say, put eyes on a player? Stuart Pearce. It's vital. The stats can make your leg work slightly less. That's what they can do. But for the up-and-coming young players, there are no stats available. You know, you've got to go with gut feeling and gut instinct. So get coaching staff in place that you put the onus on them to say, right, I've not got time to go and see all these games you have. Give me a short list. If I'm looking for a left-back, let's say, give me a short list of three, four players that we want to recruit at the price tag we're looking to work to and then go out and, and have a look. I'd like to see a player three or four times... I'd like to think that I've got footballing acumen to turn round. I know a no in the first game. I can tell you a no straight away in the first game. A yes takes longer. In the next part of the Football Manager Files, we look at tactics. How hard is it to make 11 entitled young millionaires who speak 11 different languages follow orders? How long does it take on the training field before it's more like watching a marching band and less like herding cats? Is it still possible to go light on tactics and, you know, let them worry about us? Find out right here. The Football Manager Files is a Muddy Knees Media production for Sports Interactive. It was written and presented by Ian McIntosh and produced by Ben Green. Additional reporting was by Alison Bender, Georgie Bingham, Michael Cox and Miguel Delaney. For more information, go to footballmanager.com.